for Monday, June 1st, 2020. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE, answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, as state officials continue to lift restrictions on movement and activity, it's likely coronavirus infections in Georgia will continue to rise. As mobility keeps increasing, the spread dynamics would be faster. It is likely that we will see a faster increase in cases in the state of Georgia in the upcoming days. Torgai Iyer, a professor of industrial and systems engineering at Georgia Tech, joins me to discuss the COVID-19 simulator, a project he helped create that shows how the pandemic could play out based on how much states open up. That's next. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. I know we're all curious about what the next few months will look like when it comes to the coronavirus pandemic, especially as states start to reopen after different periods of lockdown. Well, researchers at Georgia Tech, in partnership with Massachusetts General Hospital, the Harvard Medical School, and the Boston Medical Center, have developed a tool to help predict what the future could look like based on how much states open up. It's the COVID-19 simulator, and Torgai Iyer helped develop it. He studies healthcare analytics at Georgia Tech. Torgai, thanks for taking the time to talk with me. Thank you. My pleasure. So we are here today to talk about this tool you helped build, the COVID-19 simulator. Just to explain this for listeners, people can say pick a, a state or a set of states and actually set how open that state will be for the next period of time, essentially the rest of the summer. Then this simulator that you helped build analyzes those inputs and says, under these conditions, this is how this pandemic will progress. To start, I'm wondering if you can talk with me about what you see the value of this kind of simulator being. Normally, when people think about models, especially models they may have seen for this pandemic, they don't get to pick the inputs. So what do you see as the real value of the kind of interactive nature of what you've built? Absolutely. So our biggest objective was to provide an interactive platform to the end users, both to the general public and policymakers, and let them vary different scenarios such as partial opening with some mobility, partial opening with further increase in mobility, uh, lockdown of the states, minimal restrictions as in uh, pre-COVID-19 days, and give them the opportunity to really analyze what's likely to happen under each scenarios. And for the general public, A, 
let them make informed decisions in their own personal lives and for the policymakers, provide a platform to get a sense of what is likely to happen under different interventions. And we basically didn't like the idea of looking at a fixed scenario uh, that projects into the future in a very uncertain dynamic environment where things are changing rapidly almost on a daily basis. Is there a sense in which giving your user, whether it's a government official or an individual, the ability to, say, set the parameters for what the next few weeks looks like, is there a sense in which you, you, you hope that gives that user a sense of, oh, I have agency in this situation, whether that's a policymaker thinking about a policy to make or even an individual who, say, deciding whether or not to go out in the world without a mask, this model kind of implicitly says you have some kind of effect on what happens here. We believe that seeing what is likely to happen in future under under different scenarios would, would give a lot of power, decision power, both to the individuals as well as decision makers at the policy level. And this is very natural because in a very uncertain environment where a lot of people have no idea what's likely to happen, seeing what is likely to happen under different scenarios would give us the power to make some informed decisions now, which may significantly drastically change how things evolve in future. As an analogy, I'm looking at this like making investments in a highly volatile stock market. The stock prices are very volatile. Things are changing dynamically, rapidly. And as someone who is not an expert in financial planning, portfolio optimization, it is very difficult to make good decisions, informed decisions. But if there are tools, particularly interactive tools as, as, as like ours out there, that allows a user to look at what is likely to happen under different investment options or under different preventive options, as in the case of dealing with a pandemic like COVID-19, if a user can see what is likely to happen three months into the future, if I take such decisions now versus if I take those other decisions now, that would definitely empower people by giving them the opportunity to make informed decisions, again, both at the general public level as well as the policymakers level. The model only projects out at this point through the end of August, so that's three months from now, essentially. Why only a three-month look into the future? Uh, do, do the numbers just get very uncertain after three months? Does the reality on the ground change too much? Exactly. So the basic reason is the further out into the future we are looking at, the higher the level of uncertainty gets. And plus, if you look at too far along into the future, given that it's hard to predict what's likely to happen, how things will evolve dynamically over time, in dealing with such a pandemic, uh, looking at such tactical decisions within the next two, three months period would be reasonable. The level of uncertainty would increase significantly as we look further out into the future. And with extreme level of uncertainty, it won't give much useful information to the end user for decision making at this point. We are seeing this more like a dynamic decision making environment where you can only reasonably predict into a couple months into the future and make these decisions now. And then after three, two, three months, when we are at that point in time, probably it's a good idea, a good time to revisit the decisions that you have made in the past 
and utilizing them decide what would be good set of decisions for planning for the future. I want to talk a little bit about Georgia now. The assumption that you make, your model makes for how open Georgia currently is, is about 20% compared to 50%, the kind of next threshold or maybe completely open. Talk with me about how you actually assess how open a state is, because the state of Georgia, for, for the most part, has been opening for the last month or so. How are we just now at 20% in your model? We are basically looking at mobility data from various sources. We are looking at how the mobility is increasing at various states by tracking cell phone utilization data. And then we are looking at how this translates into the spread of the virus. Currently, we don't have a very good understanding of at what level of opening we are at. We see, we definitely see increase in mobility since the state opened uh, in late uh, April, early May. But we don't have a certain understanding of exactly at, at what level of opening we are. We just know that the mobility has inc increased and we just know that this increase in mobility translates into faster spread in the community. And we also know that the community, especially in the beginning, has been uh, very cautious, but we are under the impression that this level of caution is coming down over time. We may not still have reached a steady state that reflects how people will behave in the long term. Uh, and we are keeping collecting data, empirical evidence, as we have more data and evidence coming out. Uh, but what we know for the time being is, again, the mobility has increased that translates into an increase in cases even if we don't know the kind of exact number of, of how open we are now, we are maybe seeing a trend of moving towards being more open. We've also in the last week or so seen from the Department of Public Health's case counts an increase in, in cases. And so do I have this right that just as things open up more, we can expect to see and we should expect to see more cases of COVID-19? That is true. So after May 10, we've started to see increases back in cases based on seven days daily averages. And keep in mind that there's a 14 days of, of lag in those reportings by Georgia Department of Public Health. And given that the state has been open beginning of May, you know, after about 10, 15 days, we have started to see some increases in cases. Uh, and after that time, the mobility has been increasing further, and we have a good understanding that as mobility keeps increasing, the spread dynamics would be faster. So it's a fair statement to, to, to say that it is likely that we will see a faster increase in cases in the state of Georgia in the upcoming days. And it would predict that in any state and even the country, right? That is, as things just become more open, we are going to see more disease spread. That is very true. The key point is what level of opening is safe opening from, you know, on one hand, we would like to make sure that the economy is up and running. On the other hand, we would like to make sure that we have a good way of managing this pandemic. So a key policy question is what level of opening is a safe opening? And for many states, we have observed that while 20%, around 20% opening increase in mobility may be reasonable, 
uh, if we go to 50% level of increase in mobility, we see that this is too much for many of the states. If we look at Georgia's numbers, once we're in that 50% threshold, we just see kind of a steady increase in cases and deaths throughout the duration of this model. It, it really peaks when the model runs out, but we don't know where that where that peak potentially would end. Exactly. Basically, we are seeing that the peak would be seen uh, after end of August, likely to be in the, you know, around fall time. And that may be an indicator that we may be seeing a resurgence in case and a second wave coming in in the fall uh, if we don't control the epidemic at this point. We saw here in Atlanta and across the country this weekend, people protesting police violence out in the streets. Is that the kind of event that your model can, can account for? And what kind of impact can events like that have? I would say that it is worrying. We don't know evidence yet into how they will have such close interactions will influence the number of cases in future. But we will see the, these in the upcoming days. Uh, we don't have clear evidence at this point how such close gatherings will translate into changes in the number of cases. But as I said, at this point, all I can say is it's simply worrying uh, to us as researchers. I can tell you my personal opinion that it's likely that these will uh, translate into an increase in number of cases, but we still have you know, a couple of days to observe to see how much of an increase such gatherings will translate into in terms of total number of cases. I'm wondering about your model with this interactive component or just models in general. How do you think about their effectiveness, um, especially if we really don't know to what extent public officials making very important decisions, um, we don't know what kind of attention they are paying to them? I'm seeing the main value of such models as a platform that synthesizes information from multiple sources into a single infrastructure and analyze this input data and generate some outputs. And in a highly uncertain environment, such as COVID-19, without making decisions, without relying on a model, or a set of models, to me, is like trying to make multiplications in the order of millions. For human beings, this is a very difficult task, but for computers, uh, it's a very easy task. And I see two options here. One, make decisions without any models based on gut feeling. And two, look at model projections, look at a number of them instead of a single model, and look at what they are seeing. And if nine out of 10 models is saying that it is very likely to see a resurgence if there is too much opening in states by default time, then the likelihood is very high that this is indeed the case. You know, there is a famous saying that all models are wrong, but some are useful. I've heard that so many times. All models are wrong, but some are useful. So, so maybe I would think about that with the weather saying, you know, a, a good weather model will tell you it will rain it won't necessarily tell you the moment that the first raindrop will fall. So I'm wondering if for your model, the takeaway should be, as we open, more people will get sick, this disease will spread, even though it's a little less certain how much and, and how many people will be affected. I think that's a great analogy. As you said, you know, the rain forecast may not know, predict exactly at what time the first drop, raindrop, uh, will touch the, the, the ground. But 
very highly likely they can pre- pre- project, predict that tomorrow will be a rainy day. I see that in this case, this, this logic is applicable, even though models are not perfect, even though they are wrong in the sense that they are not perfect, they cannot exactly project into the future. They can still provide very useful qualitative information about what's likely to happen. And despite their own limitations, I think they are very powerful in helping us to make informed decisions. Torgai Iyer is an associate professor of industrial and systems engineering at Georgia Tech, where he studies healthcare analytics. Did You Wash Your Hands? is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. You can reach us with questions, comments, or controversy at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app, where you can also leave us a rating and a review. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. The world is full of mysteries. Are ghosts real? Is that yogurt expired? Hey, the unknown can be scary. But when you donate to WABE, you know where your money is going. Your gift supports the journalism that keeps you informed and the programs that pull back the curtain on complicated stories. Help us make the world less mysterious. Become a member now. Go online to wabe.org donate. And thanks.